It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 294 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, March 14th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode, as well as pieces written for the site by our cast of writers at LockedOnRaptors.com. Uh, also, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke. If you're an NFL fan, make sure you're checking out the NFL shows for your corresponding team as well, because lots of free agency stuff is happening. Uh, I know I'm a Titans fan. I'll probably check out Locked On Titans later to talk uh, hear them talk about the Malcolm Butler signing and the Deion Lewis signing and stuff like that. So if you have an interest in the NFL, make sure you're checking out the Locked On show for that team and do that for the NBA as well. And if you find a host that you like, find the show on iTunes separately leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, It takes no time at all, and it's a really good way to help support the free content that we're all giving you. Um, And uh, thanks in advance for doing that. If you find Locked on Raptors on iTunes, please, ratings, reviews, five stars would be lovely, but uh, any feedback is is welcome, of course, in the comments. And uh, it's just, it helps to make us more visible, makes us more popular, makes us easier to find on the iTunes charts and things like that. So thank you in advance for leaving a kind review on the iTunes page. All right, on today's show, it's uh, me going solo again for a second mailbag podcast because we got so many damn questions when I set the call out on Monday. So I'm just going to rifle through some of the questions that I missed from yesterday's podcast. If I uh, gloss over a question in here, it might be just because I answered yesterday or a variation of it yesterday. So make sure you listen to that podcast uh, that came out yesterday in the afternoon. Uh, all right, let's dive into it now. Actually, let's first touch on the game from last night, I guess. Uh, the Raptors beat the Nets uh, 116-102, I think the final score was. I don't have the box score in front of me. Uh, here's what you need to know about that game. The Raptors kind of slept through half of it and won by 14. The Raptors are really good. Uh, the bench unit was fantastic. Fred Van Vliet was just outstanding in that game. I thought the, the biggest moment of the game was the Raptors were kind of struggling at the start of the third quarter. They went down 75-59, uh, or 74-59, and then 
like three or four minutes into the third quarter, Dwayne Casey subbed out Norman Powell and stuck in Fred Van Vliet in his place. They were the three-guard lineup, and they went on a 15-0 run pretty much immediately and uh, kind of squashed any hopes of an upset for the Nets. Um, the Nets, they started off really well. They, they, I mean, they hit a bunch of threes on the night. On the night they were a uh, 15 of 36 from three. Seven of those threes came in the first quarter from D'Angelo Russell, who was insane. Uh, kind of got his mojo taken away a bit when Kenny Atkinson subbed him out after seven minutes, and he was like seven of eight from three. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why Kenny Atkinson did that. Just let the hot hand ride. You're the Nets. You don't have anything to play for. Like, what, what, what the hell is the point of stopping something fun and fun by summing a guy out to keep the integrity of your rotation together? I don't really get that. But uh, Russell finished the night 10 of 22 after starting seven of eight from deep. So uh, the Raptors figured out a way to shut him down. They eventually, you know, Russell was finding little pockets of space. Some of his shots were super contested as well. Uh, but by the end of the game, Yaka Pirtle and, and Norm Powell, Fred Van Vliet, mostly Fred and, and Yaka actually kind of found a really good way of, you know, managing D'Angelo Russell in the pick and roll and sort of just hedging up high on him and not worrying about Quincy AC or Dante Cunningham or whoever the rolling big man was and just completely swallowing Russell up and it worked really well and that kind of gave the Raptors a little bit of an edge and they, they completely dominated the Nets in the second half. They outscored them uh, by 24 points over the course of the entire half and uh, it, it was a really impressive performance from the bench. Pascal Siakam had like I don't know, he only had two assists, but he had a ton of like really beautiful passes to uh, Jakob Pertl just around the basket. I, I just love watching those plays so, so much. Um, Fred Van Vliet at 15 points. He was three of six from deep, uh, and he was a plus 31. And a lot of that came in that 15 0 run at the start or in the middle of the third quarter when he came in. DeLon Wright, I thought, was really good. Uh, made a few wonderful dribble moves, and he had a couple threes as well, two of four from deep. His three-point shooting is, like, legitimately kind of a weapon at this point. Uh, I mean, he's not going to pull up off the th- off the dribble for you for three, but uh, if he's open, you can't leave him unguarded because he's hitting, like, 42% since November. I believe that's the number William Liu tweeted out last night. Uh, so while it's not the prettiest shot or the you know the most high-arcing shot in the world, it, it seems to be effective. And, and I liked, there was a play last night, DeLon missed his first three of the game. Yakup Proto got the offensive rebound, and Yak just kicked it right back out to an open DeLon. DeLon canned it, and uh, that was just kind of the story of that game. The Raptors working through some stuff early on to eventually kind of rise to the top like you figure they would because they're much better than the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Jonas Valanciunas in this game was probably the most impressive. 26 points, 14 boards. He was getting kind of torched by uh, D'Angelo Russell early on. He was kind of one of the victims of, of Russell's barrage early in the first quarter. But uh, I thought in the third quarter, after the switch when uh, Norm Powell came out, or even when Jonas was still in, but mostly when Norm came out for Fred, uh, the the job Jonas did sort of rotating and, and protecting the rim was just fantastic. He did such a good job. And, and Yak and Pascal Siakam did a great job of that too. Um, but Jonas, I thought in the third quarter, maybe the best stretch of like five or six minutes I've seen from him just in terms of like a total multifaceted approach to the game. Um, 26 points, 14 boards. A lot of that came in that third quarter. He had 20 shots in the night. This is his highest field goal attempts of the season as well. And it's nice to see that like when Kyle Lowry, he's 4 of 13, he was whatever. DeMar wasn't really looking for a shot all that much. He was 6 of 12. He got a few buckets in crunch time, which was nice. But it was nice to see that Jonas was, uh, you know, kind of featured as like a main key cog in the offense, especially against a team that's starting Dante Cunningham at center, uh, to really hammer that matchup to sort of make the math work for you when, you know, the issue with Jonas sometimes is that you're kind of trading twos for threes because he gives up a lot of threes defensively um, in the pick and roll, but, you know, he he did a good job of managing that, and I thought his defense in the third quarter was fantastic and just kind of shows how far he's come because normally... 
after a start like he had against Russell, he would probably play like 17 minutes in the game and not really see the floor again. Casey went back to him. Uh, he closed the game out in crunch time after Jakob Pertl picked up a couple chintzy fouls. Uh, that, that sounded weird coming out of my mouth. Chintzy fouls. And, uh, and he closed the game out, and Dwayne seemed to trust him doing that, and it was great to see. And it's kind of all part of Jonas's emergence and improvement as a player. He's been excellent, and uh, he was really good last night. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's get to your mailbag questions now. Uh, Let's get to this one here from Dan Grant at Slam and Danny G. was on the show over the weekend. Uh, Recapping that Rockets game if you want to go back and listen to that one. Power rank the potential Raptors playoff opponents in terms of who you want to play in round one. So first would be who you most want, etc. Uh, so I'm gonna look. I'm not gonna go with like the teams that are in the top four right now because it feels like it's probably like a four-team race to potentially finish eighth. The Raptors are four games up on first right now. I don't really see them falling out of first at this point. The, I think their magic number is 12, and it's going to be hard for the Celtics with all these injuries that they're dealing with right now. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Kyrie Irving's knees messed up, um, and Daniel Tice being up for the season. Like That's a rough blow for the Celtics, and that sucks because I'd like to see the Celtics be healthy going into the playoffs, but uh, it doesn't look like that's going to be totally a reality, which is a bummer because they've been fun all year and a nice little foil to the Raptors, and if they're not really at full steam, that's kind of a bummer. But... Uh, I digress. I'll go with the bottom four teams right now. They're within two games of each other in the lost column. The Wizards, the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Heat. I would say I want to play the Bucks most. Yes, I know people are going to think I'm crazy for that. The Bucks, first of all, are kind of a disaster. They don't really have any identity. I was talking on Twitter with Eric Name, host of Locked On Bucks, last week, and just kind of going back and forth about all the things wrong with the Bucks. They are injured right now. Missing Malcolm Brogdon is bad for them, but... They also just don't have that many good players, and they have a lot of dead weight. They just got rid of uh, Mirza Teletovic for some reason. That's a guy who has kind of torched the Raptors in playoffs in the past. Um, Obviously, he was hurt all season, but kind of a strange move by them to bring Brandon Jennings in. Like, this is a team that just brought in Brandon Jennings. Don't be scared of the Bucs. Giannis is fantastic. He has not been quite as good of late, um, and the team around him, it just doesn't make a lot of sense right now. They don't really have an identity offensively. They have less of an identity defensively under Joe Prunty than they did under Jason Kidd because, you know, at least with Jason Kidd, you knew what they were going to be defensively, and they had something to sort of strive for, which was rotate perfectly, scramble a whole bunch, and try to prevent, uh, you know, any sort of... Try to keep the ball away from the best players' hands and, and force, you know, secondary guys 
guys to make shots. That's not what they're doing anymore because they're while they're still trapping a little bit, they're not quite as aggressive. They're picking their spots a little bit more now, and it doesn't really seem like they have much of an identity on defense either. And on offense, it's just like no one knows. There's not every time down the floor, it's just like a grab bag of what you're gonna get, and a lot of it is not very attractive. So give me the Bucks in the first round, also because they're just more entertaining, and the the Giannis thing is fun. I like dealing with Bucks Twitter on, 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 like during a playoff series. That was fun last year. Uh, they were cool people, and I, I just I'm not interested by the Heat. So maybe the Heat are a worse team, but I'm just uninterested by them entirely. So I'm gonna say Bucks one in terms of who I want to see the most. Probably the Heat second, just because I think they're much worse than the Sixers or Wizards. Um, and like I said, they're very un, uncompelling. But uh, you know, at some point the compelling factor moves into scary, and that I think is the case with the Sixers and the Wizards. I'd say the Wizards are the third team in that power ranking. There, Sixers probably last, and it's kind of crazy. I was saying a couple months ago that like give me the Sixers in the first round because they're a bad crunch time team they're not all that impressive but they've been much better lately they're like top five or six in net rating in the entire league right now their defense is excellent Joel Embiid is a monster um and and Ben Simmons obviously is is excellent as well I think Ben Simmons might be a guy who can maybe expose in the playoffs a little bit but we'll see um I, I would I would say give me the Sixers last among those four teams because uh the Wizards uh, as much as they're scary in the playoff demons of the past, I think they're a little bit more of an easy matchup for the Raptors than the Sixers, who are just an inherent matchup problem because they're enormous across the board. And Joel Embiid is just such a monster that uh, I don't really want to mess with that in the playoffs until the last possible moment. If they can finish in the sixth seed, that's probably ideal for the Raptors to try to avoid them in the second round. Um, we'll get to potential other second round matchups. But uh, yeah, the Sixers are scary, and I would say they're probably last among those four teams. So Bucks, Heat, Wizard. Wizards, Sixers, I think. And then if we're going to the second round, if I'm going to rank the top three, or the top four teams in the East, I mean, the, the Celtics, Pacers, Cavs, Pacers, I think, will be number one for like a second round matchup. Uh, Celtics, obviously, they're going to be locked into two, so there's not really anything to worry about until the conference finals. Um, and the Cavaliers, yeah, I, I don't want to play the Cavaliers, although we'll get to a question about the Cavs later. Um, I'm less scared of the Cavs now than I ever have been, which is crazy, but uh, we'll get to that in a sec. Next question here from Lisa Helene. When is OG back? I don't know. Um, I kind of like the way the Raptors are playing this with OG. I think there's a couple benefits to it. Um, obviously, first of all, he you know didn't play a ton in college. Like he only played a season and a half in college, so like I don't know, 40 games total, something like that. And obviously, the the NBA grind is a lot more uh, rigorous than uh, an NCAA season, and. You know, I'm not surprised that OG kind of hit the rookie wall a little bit and his shot was starting to go a little wayward. Maybe this is good for him to get some time off off his feet to sort of just rest and recover uh, and sort of reset himself mentally. Um, and also, just to have Norm Powell get some minutes as good as bad as he's been for the most part. Last night, uh, team worst minus eight. And, like, again, the start of the third quarter was just really ugly for him. Um, I, I just think... <sighs> You need to get Norm some sort of semblance of minutes, and it's so hard when you're running 12 guys or 11 guys or whatever it is at this point. Malcolm Miller's getting some run lately. Um, yeah, you have to get him some minutes because Norm being a viable contributor, not just this season but going forward, is really important because he's their biggest trade ship this offseason in terms of uh, contract and potential marketability as an asset to want to trade. Maybe you could argue Jonas at this point is that considering how, how he's played, but Norm... 
that contract is very much like the Terrence Ross contract, where it's like you can kind of take it or leave it, whether or not the guy's on your team, but it could be a useful thing to move if you want to improve the team at all, or just get off some money for the Raptors, um, which I think is also a question we'll get to. But I think getting Norm some minutes has had some benefit. He's kind of figured it out a little bit more than he did during you know the, the dog days of the season where he was just awful. Um, obviously, he hasn't been great, and there's been a lot of hiccups, especially last night, but at least he shot reasonably well last night. He was two of four, one of two from deep. Like that's a baby step, and like the, the fact that that's like a baby step for Norm Powell is kind of sad and, and and disappointing. And it was kind of a bummer, really, that the Raptors went on the 15-0 run yesterday. Like essentially the second Norm Powell came off the floor, uh, that bummed me out a little bit. But I think these minutes are important for Norm because the value of him turning things around and the upside of him turning things around and being a viable contributor is just so important. So. I'm okay if the Raptors take their time with OG and just sort of make sure he's at 100% because you don't want a guy who's had knee injuries in the past uh, to be sort of favoring an ankle or anything like that. I'm okay if if OG takes another week or two off, to be honest. Uh, Get him back for the start of April, hopefully. Um, He might be back before then. He's been, like, doubtful on the injury report for the last few games, so he might be much closer than that. But if it takes till March 28th or whatever it is, I'm totally okay with that because um, these Norm minutes are going to have value, and I just don't know where they're going to come from once OG's back and if he's playing at least you know close to where he was at the start of the season so um yeah no rush on og although i think he should be back reasonably soon no matter what moves you made last year turbo tax experts make them count did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse that's a move did you go back to school to get your degree that's a move did you relocate for a fresh start well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Next question here from Sandy Ravage uh, at Alien Space Bats. That's a great handle. Uh, do we trade Powell to retain Fred Van Bleet? I kind of touched on this a little bit yesterday in terms of the Van Vliet side of things um, because uh, I think there was a question about DeLon Wright and Fred Van Vliet and sort of the future that they, uh, how their futures are intertwined. Powell is interesting as well with this because obviously, as I talked about yesterday, I don't think Fred's going to get an insane contract in restricted free agency just because I don't think there's cap space out there for a bunch of teams to do that. Um, Just doesn't seem all that likely. And uh, so I think Fred's probably going to be back. The Raptors have... I think, and this goes to another question that's coming later, uh, as to how far the Raptors have to go this season in order for MLSC to want to match a Fred Van Vliet offer sheet and go into the tax. I think it's already there. I really do. I think winning 50 games, I think the, the underlying data of the team, I don't think you can argue that this team isn't like as close to a contender as it's ever been. And because you only have two more years of Kyle and Serge left on the, on the, on the books and three years left of DeMar... Uh, I think they're going to be able to justify going to the tax this season, or next season, sorry, over this summer. And I, I don't think Powell is really tied to keeping Fred. Maybe if you can move Powell, that's just like a better way to sort of get maybe get an asset or maybe um, sort of diversify the roster a little bit, maybe get a little bit more size if you want to try to do that, depending on what you can get in a deal. But uh, I, I think Fred 
his situation is going to be independent, I think, a lot from a lot of the other roster stuff going on and the salary cap management, just because I think the Raptors are okay paying the tax going into next season. Um, Powell, you know, if they can trade him this offseason, I'm sure they will, but as I just alluded to, his value is not particularly high right now, and I'm not sure a team's going to want to sign up for the very, very start of an extension. Excuse me. I don't think they're going to want to sign up for the start of a Powell extension, uh, you, know, with, you know, three years of Powell after the season he's just had. So I think... You know, maybe he can turn it around. Maybe he has another playoff moment or two or a series where he really shines based on a matchup or something like that to kind of turn his trade value around. But right now, I don't see Powell being a guy the Raptors are going to be able to easily move. It might have to be sort of a, I'm not sure it'll be like a salary dump like it was with Damari Carroll, but I don't think you're going to get like a great asset back from Powell at this point. Um, so again, I don't really think that's tied to Fred Van Vliet's fate. I think Fred's coming back. I really do. He's been so good. I don't think the Raptors can justify not matching um, just because there is a limit on how much teams can offer him. And also, I just, again, I don't think there's going to be that much in terms of a market for him. Um, and I think they owe it to themselves to continue this development process with him, right? They, they got him as an undrafted guy. It developed him into one of the best bench players in the league. And I think you have to sort of see how this plays out and not just let some other team sort of, uh, you know, just roll in the money that you've created for them in Fred Van Vliet. Uh, next question here. This one comes from Patrice Martin at P. Martin 1967. Does Casey shorten his rotation in the playoffs or keep running the bench mob out there? I sort of touched on this again yesterday too. Uh, I think you have to just run the bench mob out there and see how it works because it's been so good this season. And again, last night it was ridiculous. I think you owe it to yourself to see if this can be actually a weapon. Dwayne Casey said all along, like, I don't see a manual or a playbook on how you have to run your rotation in the playoffs. I don't see any sort of rules that say you have to go down to eight guys. And if the Raptors are this good with this bench that has been so excellent and has really saved the Raptors' asses in a lot of games, I mean, without that bench unit, I'm not sure this team has won 50 games yet. I think it's probably something like 42 or 40 or something like that. There's been plenty of games where the bench has been the reason the Raptors have won. Uh, I think you owe it to yourselves at least early in the playoffs to see if it works. And maybe there are certain teams where it can't work against. But you look at the game against the Rockets last weekend and, uh, you know, you run the bench out against Chris Paul in a second unit and it, it completely blitzed them. So I don't know. It's such a hard thing to evaluate because everything in NBA history says, yes, this bench unit shouldn't hold up. But over the course of this entire season, they've been so good and they've done it against, you know, good competition. They've done it against teams that you know, are units with LeBron James on them and, and Chris Paul. I think you owe it to yourself to see if it can work in the playoffs. And if it doesn't work, you can pivot. And I think maybe the rotation gets shortened. I think all the different players will get used at certain points. I think we'll see based on the matchup, maybe DeLon Wright gets one game, Fred Van Vliet gets another, uh, or one series and another, something like that. Uh, maybe Pascal Siakam and Jakob Pertl go in and out just based on maybe they shorten the, the, the front court rotation, something like that. I don't know, but there's the the strength of this team is in its depth and while typically in the playoffs that has come you know that that comes around and isn't quite as as pronounced an advantage uh i don't think we've seen a team with a bench that's this much of a of an advantage in a long time so um like the, the way it plays together it's almost like it just looks like a one big sixth man really um so i don't think you can really go away from it without at least seeing if it works and I'm very excited for it. It's it's a really good, fun lineup, and everything they do is exciting, and it's just a blast to watch. So I hope they keep it together just to see how it goes. Uh, next question here from uh, Giraffes Doing Things at Low Energy Louis. He was the one who also asked the question about MLSE going into the tax, but uh, let's get to this one here. Uh, optimal playoff Eastern Conference seating uh, within reason given the remaining schedules and current standings from the Raptors' perspective. 
I think this is tough, and like this is such an exhausting thing to do every year and sort of look at the standings and see how they're going to play out. Uh, for me, I would go Raptors 1, Celtics 2. That's going to be locked in anyway. Cavs 3, mm, Pacers 4, Wizards 5, Sixers 6, Heat 7, Bucks 8. Um, I think that makes sense. So, yeah, Raptors would take on the uh, Heat. You'd have the Celtics take on the... Sorry, the Raptors take on the Bucks, Celtics, and Heat. Uh, you'd have uh, Cavs, Sixers, so one of those very dangerous teams would be knocked out and would be sort of taken out of the Raptors' way. Uh, and then you have Pacers, Wizards, which uh, the winner of that would be the second-round matchup for the Raptors in an ideal world. And, like, I would take that over a Cavs or a Sixers second-round matchup for sure. So, uh, yeah, go Raptors, Celtics, Cavs, Pacers, Wizards, Sixers, Heat, Bucks. Um, give me the Bucks in the first round, man. Don't be scared. The Raptors Raptors fans should be at the point now where they don't have to fear monger about this. They're so the Raptors are just so much better than everyone else in the East right now by every discernible metric. And it just I think this will be the first season where first round jitters aren't really a thing. I think the Raptors believe in themselves. They're pretty confident in themselves right now, I think. And how could you not be? Even Dwayne Casey said last night after the game that he's having fun, which is insane. Uh, Kyle Lowry quickly uh, (laughs) disputed that and said he's just saying that. But, um, like, I think the Raptors are really kind of recognizing right now that they're just really goddamn good. And uh, there's no reason for them to be worried about a Bucks or a Heat in the first round. And I think... You know, this should be totally justified in thinking that, you know, this should be a different playoff experience than it has been in the past because everything about the process is different, the team is different, the roster makeup is different, DeMar Rosen is different as a player, Kyle Lowry's healthy this time around. Lots of signs are pointing towards this being actually where, you know, the Raptors can kind of get their feet under them in the playoffs and get off to a, a good start and not lose a damn game one. Um, I, I'm, I'm pre- pretty confident, and I think the Raptors are confident in themselves too, that this is going to be a different playoff run. So uh, hopefully the playoff fear-mongering is limited this season as opposed to last you know, the last few seasons or even up to, even as far back as 2013-14 with that Nets matchup. Uh, like I, I think the, the playoff worry warts should just kind of enjoy it and just kind of be like, all right, any team the Raptors play in the first round, they're probably going to beat. And to dovetail from that question to the last question from Abigail A at AA Marty one we look like the clear best team in the East, regardless of LeBron being LeBron. So are we at the point where it's finals or bust this year? This is fascinating. Um, I don't think at the start of the season we ever would have thought that finals or bust was the goal for this season. I, I figured the goal for this season was develop young guys, make it to the second round of the playoffs, and look respectable against whoever ends up beating you. Obviously, the goalposts have moved a little bit because they've been so just impressive this season, and they're at 50 wins on March 13th. Um, I think I have a hard time saying it's finals or bust because LeBron James is always going to be sort of that daunting figure in my in my head, and I, I'm just not. I don't want to be the guy who bets against LeBron before his time is done because that feels really stupid. So I think. It's bust this season if the Raptors come across the Cavs at any point and look like they did last year or the year before. I think if they look legitimately competitive, it's a six or seven game series, but not like that first six game series in the conference finals where uh, the Cavs just completely blitzed the Raptors at home and, and just completely ended any hope of a win in that series in game one. Um, I really think the, the, the goal should be 
have a really competitive series, make LeBron legitimately sweat, like maybe sort of like the the Pacers in that series where they went seven with the with the Heat in uh, was it 2013 or 2014? Um, 2013, I think, when when they went to seven and almost made it the made the finals. Like I think that is sort of the the blueprint for the Raptors and, and sort of what your goal should be. If you can get to that level and actually make LeBron James sweat and really make it sort of a 50-50 proposition, then yeah, like I think that's a success. Obviously, the finals thing is... I can't fault people out there who say finals are bust because, man, it's going to be a bummer to watch this team and see how it's come so far and see how just vastly better they are than, than the Cavs are in terms of net rating and things like that. Just in terms of roster makeup, really, um, and to see them fall short to the Cavs, it's going to be a bummer. I always just the respect for LeBron thing for me is always going to be there, but uh, I totally understand if people are looking at this as the Raptors are so much better. All the data says that the Raptors are better than the Cavs, and if they don't make the finals, it's a disappointment. Um, I'm not quite there. Maybe if they finish with like 62 wins and and, and just completely blitz the Cavs, and, and I, I, it's going to feel worse too. If it's a second round matchup, just because, I don't know, I know it doesn't really matter because you're measuring yourself against Cleveland anyway, but it will feel worse, I think, because deep playoff runs are fun. Winning playoff series is good is good and enjoyable. It's good to go deep into the playoffs. Um, so I'm really holding on hope for the Cavs to pull out that three seed just so we can delay that series to the, to the last possible minute. I mean, I'm okay if the Raptors play the Cavs in the second round. I'm feeling confident that like if you're to play that series 100 times, the Raptors probably win it 50 to 55 times. Um, I just, I, I don't know, the LeBron thing is, he kind of messes up the math, right? He messes up the calculus, um, but yeah, I, I totally do not begrudge anyone who says finals are bust this year. I'm not quite there, but I might get there, depending on how the season ends. Um, let's just hope the Cavs get the three seed, and uh, the Raptors can go into the playoff run, and sort of, if they go two playoff, two playoff series with looking impressive, and they go win two playoff series in eight or nine games, or nine or ten games, whatever it is, um, that could sort of change my mind as well, right? Like, if, if they go through that and then they look maybe, you know, 75% of what I just talked about with the Cavs, maybe they go to six and it's like a, a reasonably close series, but the Cavs look like the class of the series for most of the time. Raptors pull out a couple games, but it's not like a blowout series where they lose by 100 points in aggregate. Um, I think I could get on board with that if the first two rounds look really smooth because, like, think about it too. You can build upon this season. This is not the be-all, end-all year for the Raptors. I mean, obviously... The Sixers are on the come up. The Bucks eventually will get a coach and figure things out, you would think, with Giannis. Um, and the Celtics, obviously, are going to get Gordon Hayward back. And Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum will be that much better. Um, they have more picks to deal with as well. And, and just, like, they're very annoying and have everything. Um, so, obviously, the, the landscape of the East might change next season where it doesn't seem so open. But I do think that this Raptors team can get better next year as well because they are loaded with young talent that's still projectable, still on the up. Um, and so I, I think while this season feels like it might be the best chance, and it very well could be the best chance, I don't think it's the only chance. Um, so finals or bust is not quite there for me, but uh, once again, if you are in that camp, I can't blame you whatsoever. All right, uh, that's going to do it for me on this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. The Raptors play the Pacers tomorrow, which should be a fun game. The Pacers um, are very good, and it will be the Raptors' interest to beat the Pacers to sort of uh, give the Cavs the edge in the in the race for the three seed. Um, so excited for that one. I'm not sure if I'll have a podcast with anyone from the Pacers side of things just because of scheduling and stuff like that, but um, there will be a podcast at some point tomorrow, whether it's before or after the game. Uh, and... Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been fun. You can follow me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Follow the show at Locked on Raptors. Leave a rating, leave a review, all that good stuff. 
I uh, very much appreciate all the support people have given. And I think there are some new listeners just based looking at the numbers. I think there's some new listeners of late. Uh, and a big thank you to everyone who's listened to the show even once since it started. We're almost on 300 episodes now. Um, and this is still the best part of my week, doing it every day. Um, and I appreciate anyone who's listened. And thank you so much. And really excited for a fun playoff run here. Um, it should be great. So if, tell a friend. Tell your Raptors crazed bandwagon jumpers that uh, if, you, if, you, if you want to, the, if they want to get content on the Raptors, tell them to come to Lockdown Raptors. I would very much appreciate the recommendation. Uh, and thanks to anyone who's already listened to the show and shared it around. Uh, you guys are the best. All right. Uh, I'm going to wrap things up. Going to uh, go play some basketball now. Uh, all right, everyone. Have a good one. And we'll talk to you on Thursday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Cheers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.